Hello and welcome to Spectacular Slovakia, the travel podcast in which we talk about all things Slovak, from culture to food and everything in between. I'm Anna Faye, and this week I am joined once again by my friend and colleague Peter, who will tell us about well-known Slovak painter and national treasure Martin Benka. Speaking of treasure, the jewels of Slovakia are best discovered with one of our spectacular Slovakia travel guides in your hand. If you like traipsing around Slovakia, check out shop.spectator.sk and buy one or all of our handy dandy spectacular travel guides. And now let's catch up with my equally spectacular and artsy friend, Peter. Hello, Peter. Hello, Anna. So thank you for joining me once again in the guest chair. You're welcome. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, Martin Benka is a national treasure, but he is also one of the most faked Slovak artists, sure. uh, meaning many people have copied his work. So who exactly is this painter and what do you find interesting about him? Well, what I found interesting is that he donated his works to Slovakia, which I don't know if it's usual among painters, but I find it quite interesting. And also what's interesting is that he is a Slovak painter, but I think most of his life, or at least half of his life, he spent uh, in the Czech Republic in Prague. Okay, so um, yeah, he, that's pretty cool that he donated a lot of his art. Yeah. He sounds like a nice guy. <laughs> um, and so can you provide us some background info? Where was he born and how did he discover his passion for art? Sure. So he was born uh, in uh, 1888 in a small village in Western Slovakia. I think it was called Kiripolets, but then it got changed to Kostolište. And he came from a very poor family, a Catholic family. He was the youngest of six children. So when he basically graduated from primary school, he went on to study at a vocational school for some time to become a house painter. And I've read books about him and there he writes, I'm going to read the quote because uh, I really liked it. He writes in, uh, in the monography, how did I become a painter? That is a hard question. I can only say that I have been fascinated by a pencil, chalk, in which I saw sort of magic, fairy tales hidden in them. Until today, I see them as a ball of a white and black line that cannot be wound off. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the monograph is really interesting. I don't know if it's in English, but it's uh, mm -hmm. worth read in Slovak. Yeah, okay, so he sounds like a creative guy, and I'm guessing he had some maybe other hobbies. Can you tell us some, some more about that? Well, as a child, so he enjoyed drawing, uh, but also he enjoyed playing a violin. And later, he, he enjoyed learning also foreign languages, but that was when he was an adult. Throughout his life... It was just music and painting. And eventually, for some reason, um, you know, the paintings prevailed in his case. So um, maybe I can say also that when he was a child, because as I said, he was, he came from a very poor family. They did not have money. So it was interesting to read in the book that uh, his first drawings were done in sand. In their house, they did not have the floor, just something made of clay. And on, on the top of it, there was sand. So he drew in the sand. That was his, his first wow, effort. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then later, because his father was a carpenter, so his father gave him once his carpenter's pencil. But that one is really thick, so it was a bit complicated for him to draw with that. But Wow, okay, so poverty inspired creativity in his case. I think, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, that's really cool. And so what were some of the things he painted? And did he paint with um, oil paints? Do you know? So he studied in um, Slovakia, first of all. But then he moved to the Czech Republic to become the house painter, as I said. But from there, he traveled to Vienna, 
where he began to work as a house painter. And basically, Vienna, that's the place where he really discovered art. You know, when you are when you are a house painter, you have a lot of work uh, in the springtime, in the summer, but in the winter, you do not have much work to do. So he decided to visit museums and galleries to discover and learn more about the art. And that was the time when he discovered, you know, tempera paints, oil paints, because before that he had not been able to paint. He just drew pictures. So Vienna is really Mm -hmm. the place where he got acquainted with the art as we know it. Right. And uh, so I looked at a few of his paintings on Google. (laughs) Um, And it looks like a lot of his work was of um, like provincial living, like a lot of um, like beautiful scenes of the landscapes around him and people working on the the farm and such. So what would you like, was he very much influenced by his surroundings or like any person in particular? Good question. <laughs> Good question. Well, I would say that when he left from Vienna, he decided to study at uh, an academy in Prague. There was a painter called Calvoda, and he sort of influenced Benka to some extent. But after some time, because Calvoda, he was really a fan of Impressionism. But Benka, after some time, he realized that Calvoda has different opinions and Benka has different opinions. So they always just parted. After, after a few years, but when he spent time and when he studied at Calvada's Academy, Calvada took Benka to, to the countryside in the south of the Czech Republic. That was the first time when he actually painted something outside. So he discovered the countryside, the Czech countryside, but after some time he got bored with it because it was just the countryside, reverse <laughs> trees. <laughs> and, and so he was like, okay, I want to go back to Slovakia. He eventually got to Slovakia and... You know, he was overwhelmed by what he what he saw. Mm, yeah, no, I can imagine. In the, the 1920s, he traveled around Europe, and um, some of his work was even exhibited in the USA in the former USSR uh, in the 1930s. So I imagine uh, these extensive travels probably influenced his work as well. Well, I mean, he realized that he does not want to copy anyone. You know, because he saw it as a mentor, but also as uh, an artistic weakness. So he just wanted to be himself and he wanted to paint what he saw and he wanted to be authentic. Um, So when he went to Italy, he just saw painters repeated themselves. And then he went to France and then he went also to Germany. And there he discovered that, you know, these countries are really open to new forms of the art. Uh, and what's interesting is, and it's not related to the art, but when he visited uh, Amsterdam, that's what he writes in the book, that he had a really good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so that, that had a bit of an influence, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> probably, but I wouldn't, yeah, so I would not say that uh, these travels around Europe or even around the world uh, somehow influenced him. Yeah, it's a bit ironic, though, because as we said earlier, lots of people have copied his yeah, paintings. Yeah, So, uh, oh dear. <laughs> Yeah, but also I can say that, um, so when he came to Slovakia, which we mentioned already, he got struck by the mountains, he saw. You know, what he was taught by Kalvoda in Prague was that, you know, you should follow these patterns, you should use use these colors. And so uh, he prevented them from using, for example, black color. But when he came to Slovakia, you know, all the mountains and, you know, what he saw, that was really a bit dark. So he was, and I'm going to read the quote again. It is beautiful here, sublime, surprising, but how to capture it in a painting, how to work with colors. These are utterly unknown tones to me. Again, he, he had to learn uh, how to, how to, you know, capture 
the moment and the picture he saw. Yeah, if you look at his, his paintings, they're very colorful. And what I like as well is you can see the brush strokes. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, gives it like a very cool style, I would say. When I went to the lecture at the Soga Auction Company at the end of September, the lady there, I think she works for the Slovak National Gallery, she said that he was really talented because, you know, he could do just one move and that would mean something, that would capture something. So he would do just a small move and that would be a tree, for instance, or it would be a river, whatever, a person. Yeah, that's great. I wish I had that skill. Only <laughs> <laughs> too, honestly. Um, yeah, so so speaking of, like, um, as you said, his moves were very purposeful. Did artistic experts during his time feel the same? Were they impressed by his paintings? I would say no. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, because I mentioned Calvada, and as I said, Calvada was critical of him. Also, that was the issue in Slovakia and his Slovak fellow painters. They, they began to talk about the sort of banker problem. So the painters did not know from where his style comes from. And that was really something that really like bothered them, I would say. But still, he did not care and he did it in his own way. I like that mentality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, after th uh, 30 years of living in Prague, he was forced to leave uh, because of World War II, of course. Um, so then he settled in Martin, a city in central Slovakia, when he was about 51. Uh, so were his more peaceful surroundings reflected in his, his latest work? He sort of mentioned the mountains earlier, um, mm -hmm. but could you see a definite shift in um, in his work? When he returned to Slovakia... He was offered some jobs in Bratislava as well, so uh, he did not have enough time to paint because he was like one day in Martin and then he lectured uh, at the university in Bratislava. But after one year, he gave up on these jobs and he returned to Martin and he began to paint again. But as we know, after 1939, the Second World War broke out, so um, you would expect him to paint something uh, negative, mm -hmm. but that did not happen. You know, he wanted to picture... Slovak people, the nature of Slovak people in an, in an optimistic way. So that's what's interesting about his works is, you know, even in the darkest times, he tried to capture the good in people and bring, I would say, hope through yeah. his paintings. I like that. And if you look at images of him at work, he's often pictured with a little beret on mm -hmm. his on his head. So he seems like he'd be a, <laughs> a fun guy to hang out with, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so he was obviously uh, around during like a very tumultuous time politically. Um, so were his political views at all um, represented in his artwork? I would say yes, but probably some would say not at all. But it goes back to the times when he was in the Czech Republic as a student. And that was the time when he discovered socialism. Although he came from uh, the Catholic family and poor family, he just, you know, embraced socialism. He began to believe in socialism and socialism was more to him than religion. But still, at some point, he was like, OK, um, is socialism really good? Is it going to bring about any change? Because, you know, he was poor, his family was poor, so he really wanted equality also in this regard. He wanted people to have everything. And I think, you know, socialism, it was also about people. At some point in his career, he decided to paint people more. So maybe in this sense, it mm -hmm. would depict something political, but not directly. Right. I, I can't say. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert, but... But maybe like a, he was like a crafty and a sort of 
hiding in a way his his views, but they were evident to the people that probably noticed, like yeah. we can we can look more into his motives in his paintings if you want to. Yes, please, please uh, <laughs> <laughs> enlighten us. <laughs> no, I just like his peak in terms of his career that was like twenties and thirties. You know, he painted two things. That was the landscape in the first case, and that was in the 20s. But then he realized, you know, I paint the landscape, but I can't really express uh, through the landscape what I really want to say. So in the late 20s uh, and in early 30s, he starts to implement more people and make them bigger in paintings because he really wanted to portray Slovaks as confident people. And that was also when you asked me about his critics. They did not like about his paintings that he wanted to picture the Slovak nation as heroic mm-hmm. or in a better light. He did not picture the reality of, mm-hmm. of the Slovak nation at that time. But that was not his aim. He really wanted to move the Slovak nation to another stage. Oh, okay, yes, he was sort of an advocate for the the common Slovak people in a time when they really needed it. Yeah, and for instance, you know, nature was really important to him mm-hmm. and in his paintings, but that's what you can see when you look at his paintings. But what's, uh, what's interesting is that, you know, when someone comes to Slovakia, um, they fall in love with, you know, the Tatras. And he was sort of impressed, uh, but he did not want to paint them because the Tatras, they did not represent what the Slovak nation represented at that time. So he traveled and his first encounter with Slovakia after his return, there was, you know, the Spish region, the Orava region. And that's where he sees, you know, these people working in fields surrounded by the hills, not the mountains. And this represented to him, you know, the Slovak nation and the people's lives. Yeah, I like that. So he never glamorized his his work. He He painted exactly what he saw or what he wanted to portray, I suppose. Well, he definitely put in what he saw, but um, as I said, you know, to some extent it was realism, but to some extent it was more than realism. And he, you know, critics say that he glorified people, and to some extent maybe he did, but that was just his way, what he wanted to really say, that, you know, the Slovak nation can really move on and can do better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because he lived in the times when the Hungarian Empire uh, declined. Then the wars came and the first Czechoslovak Republic was created. And, you know, the, the Slovaks, they did not have their own art. So he was like, okay, I'm going to build the Slovak national art. And that was his ultimate goal. Alongside this, he really wanted to, like, enlighten the Slovak people as well. And do you think he achieved this in his lifetime? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. But again, I'm going to help myself with the quote. Uh, yes, please, please. Yeah, if that's all right. <laughs> of course. So he, he writes in the book, Our people had been dishonored, mocked, humble, hunchbacked and benevolent. That was why I painted our people strong and self-confident. I wanted to put a strong and bold man in front of our people's eyes to gain their strength and become intractable. Looking at, you know, at the history of Slovakia or the history of the Slovak nation, Slovaks have moved on. But I can't say if it was because of Benka's painting, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe to some extent, mm-hmm. um, he did some good, eventually. Right. Well, it would explain why he's yeah a, a national treasure and very famous still. His art is, is in a lot of places. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the Sog Auction Company, as I said. There was an exhibition. Uh, still, there is. 
Uh, but then also you can go to a museum in Martin, although that one is under reconstruction <laughs> Good to know. these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so y- you can see his paintings uh, at Bratislava Castle today. Mm-hmm. So that's the place where you should go to if you want to see more paintings of bankers. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, sort of going back to the, the process of art, um, do you know, did uh, Benka have like a specific routine when it came to painting? What I what I know is that he did not want to be bothered by people, that his atelier had to be really cleaned up, and that also he did not paint, you know, straight away in the place where he was. So, if, for instance, if he went out to the countryside, he drew some sketches, but he did not paint. And then he came back home, he put them in a drawer, and then after two or three years, <laughs> he pulled them out and then he began to paint. Um the painting based on these sketches. So that was his routine. And also what's interesting is that he sometimes began, you know, his process of painting with the with it was sort of like, May God help me or something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> But that also expresses his, you know, even though he believed in socialism, he was still a Catholic and Yeah, that's interesting. And to yeah, to um go back to something after years. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very interesting routine for sure. And so let's talk about money. (laughs) Um, What are some of his most expensive paintings? Well, I must say that his paintings are really the most expensive in Slovakia. Mm -hmm. Out of all Slovak painters, his paintings are the most expensive ones. So for instance, um, After the Harvest uh, from the 20s, that's the most expensive one. And that was auctioned for 180,000 euros. Which is not much when you compare it to, you know, I don't know, uh, Da Vinci's uh, painting, Salvatore Mundi. Mm-hmm. Um, that was auctioned for millions, literally millions. 450 oh, wow. <laughs> dollars. Yeah, 450 million dollars. Yeah. So after the harvest, that's the painting, the most expensive one. And, you know, he pictures the people in, in traditional costume as a, you know, sort of heroic characters. Uh, working in the field, and they are surrounded, uh, you know, by mountains. And that's also interesting when you look at his paintings that in the 20s he paints, you know, the landscape and mountains really dominate. But then in the 30s, people start uh, dominating his paintings. You can see also in these paintings that, you know, in the foreground there's a man, then in the center of the painting, uh, you can see other figures, but also how they work. You can see uh, in the background the mountains. And I, I really like that painting. I would not pay that much money for that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, re- I really mm-hmm. I really love the painting because it's not really dark. You know, I think it's sort of yellowish. Also about the death of a valley. That's from 1948. So that's after his peak, basically, but still equally sold for 180 thousand euros and what you can see in this painting is that's basically just you know part of a man's body standing by by a horse oh sure sure yeah. nice <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the third uh, most expensive one that's the slovak family uh from um that was painted like in the late 30s so there you can also see uh, you know uh, a man a woman standing uh, really big figures in the foreground and you know still in the field uh, holding some tools 
and in the background you can see still the mountains, although they do not dominate, because as, as I said, in the 30s, people really dominate in his paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, those are hefty price tags that you mentioned, <laughs> but fear not, listeners, uh, because as Petro mentioned earlier, you can appreciate Benko's famous artwork for free right here in Bratislava, mm-hmm. so from now until October 4th. Yeah. Uh, there's an exhibition at the Soga Auction Company. And in addition, you can admire Benka's paintings on the third floor of the Bratislava Castle until spring of 2020. Um, and as you said, the Martin Benka Museum in the city of Martin is under reconstruction. Yeah. Right now, hopefully that will end. <laughs> <laughs> One day, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Fecho, thank you so much for sharing your artistic insights. Thanks for having me. If you love to listen to Moro Spectacular Slovakia, you can find us on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and spectator.sk. Thank you so much for lending an ear, splendid listeners. See you next week.